Stay Frosty Parkruns and welcome to the 35th edition of the Stay Frosty Parkrun podcast. I'm your host, Emu, and I'm going to be here for the next 20 minutes or so to talk about running and our quest for perfection. I'll also be letting you all know the name of my star parkrunner of the week, filling you in on my featured parkrun, announcing the upcoming parkrun anniversaries, and letting you all know how we got on in our parkruns this week. If you'd like to get in touch with your own opinions or interesting stories about Parkrun, you can send an email to stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or drop me a message on the Stay Frosty Parkrun Facebook page. Now it's occurred to me in the process of making this series of podcasts how many running related topics actually overlap with each other. If you want to talk about training, it's a good idea to at least mention nutrition and diet. If you talk about nutrition, then it might differ depending on the number of hours or distance you're running. Talk about the distances you're running and you need to talk about training and fuel. It's all interlinked with it, with each other. I recently considered su- subscribing to a running magazine, for general interest more than anything, but I always look at the reviews for these things before I invest, and a Runner's World magazine seemed to have the most positive reviews, but the main negative aspect seemed to be that over time articles and information tended to repeat itself in different guises. Now this may be because of the overlap I mentioned within running, but it might also be conceivable that the evolution of running is progressing slowly enough that new information is rarely available. Or, equally likely, is the possibility that there are so many ways in which we can improve our performance, and every runner is so unique that no one of the suggestions stands out from the rest. Professional athletes who are among the elite of their sport have the means to choose whatever training methods and diets they want. So why, don't, why doesn't every professional athlete choose the same thing? And if you combine that perfect diet, training plan and everything else to aid you in your mission for the perfect run, just how far or how fast can you possibly go? The fastest top speed recorded was set by Usain Bolt at the World Championships in Berlin on the 16th of August in 2009. At one point during his run, he actually reached 27.8 miles per hour during the course of a 100 metres race. In order to run as fast as the elite sprinters, you need to have a certain amount of genetics working in your favour. You need to have a certain amount of type 2 and type 2X muscle fibres, the fast twitch ones, that provide quick, powerful movements, but also burn out in a short amount of time. Most people have about a 50-50 split of type 1, endurance, and type 2, speed, muscle twitch fibres. The elite sprinters have a higher percentage of the fast twitch muscle fibres, which gives them an advantage for sprinting. It's also equally possible to have a higher percentage of type 1, which which would give you an advantage in endurance running. Another article published by Live Science in 2010 suggested that humans could theoretically be able to reach up to 40 miles per hour. It says that the limiting factor may be the amount of time our feet spend on the ground with each step. We don't have enough time to give a large enough push-off to accelerate to our potential top speed. The research regarding the forces on the body when running predicts that muscle contractile speeds that would allow for maximal or near-maximal forces would permit speeds of up to 35 to 40 miles per hour and possibly even faster. If you consider that Usain Bolt's record currently stands at 27.8 miles per hour, it seems that we still have some potential yet for more speed. However, according to a Wikipedia article on foot speed, 
Humans do not compare to other animals when it comes to sprinting. We are much slower. We are very capable of endurance, but not the speediest of creatures. Long distance or endurance running is defined, on Wikipedia again, as anything over 8 kilometres or 5 miles continuous running. However, in the sport of athletics, it's anything over 3 kilometres or 1.86 miles. Physiologically, it's mainly aerobic and requires stamina and mental strength. Humans are well adapted for long distance running compared to other mammals, and especially so among the primate group. One of our biggest advantages is our ability to sweat rather than cooling down by panting. Sweating allows us to keep our bodies cooler over long distances. Scientists have written that on a hot day a human could even outrun a horse over the course of a marathon. As I've covered in a previous pod where I looked at the book Born to Run, research suggests that we evolved into endurance runners when we began to include meat in our diets. The suggestion is that we either followed scavenging birds to find fresh kills and steal the meat, and or we hunted with weapons by chasing our prey until it was exhausted, which made it much easier to kill. But how far is pushing the body too far? If a person runs a marathon distance every day, will it have a detrimental effect on their physical or mental health? Every person is built differently, so will react differently to endurance running, but how much or how far is too far? If you've never run before, then you should definitely not be attempting to run a marathon straight away. Depending on your general fitness level, it could well be ambitious even to attempt a 5km run. When looking for information on how far we can run, one name crops up quite a lot. That of ultramarathon runner Dean Carnesis, who ran in 2016 350 miles in 80 hours and 44 minutes without stopping for sleep. However, he is not what we could class as an average human being, because he has a rare genetic condition which actually allows him to process lactic acid a lot quicker than the average, so that his muscles don't fatigue as much during exercise. There are also the example of the Tarahumara, mentioned in McDougall's book, who routinely run over 100 miles a day on a diet consisting mainly of maize and root vegetables. And, at the age of 61, Cliff Young won the inaugural Sydney to Melbourne Ultramarathon in 1983. He ran 544 miles in about five days, wearing sheep herding gumboots instead of sneakers. But these are rare examples. To paint a more general picture, it's helpful to start by looking at the biggest limiting factors we have. According to distance runner Joel Geen, the biggest limiting factors are energy availability and sleep. We need to have energy in the form of glycogen in order to, conti to continue running. The body burns through glycogen relatively quickly, and once it's gone, the body will switch to anaerobic exercise, which causes the build-up of lactic acid in the muscles. This is not sustainable over very long distances. There is some evidence to say that when accounting for glycogen de depletion, a human could run about a 10-minute mile, or 6-minute kilometre, which would allow existing fat stores to be converted to glycogen, and they could do this forever. This would make the deciding factor the need for sleep. Now, after a few days, our minds get tired and they require sleep. The record set for the longest time awake is 264 hours, more than 11 days, but most people will begin to feel the effects after 36 hours. Hormones released will stop our metabolism and our appetite. After 72 hours, people may begin to experience paranoia and or hallucinations. 
With this in mind, Cliff Young's record looks all the more remarkable, and may well stand for some time. It might even be close to the maximum achievable by a human, unless we can find some way to overcome our limitations. In terms of you or I, excluding the elite runners and the genetically gifted runners, how far you can run is going to be limited by your own fitness levels and preparation for the run. Assuming that you've been training well and are fit and healthy, there are some things you can do or take into account to maximise your running distance. In order to prevent your body shifting into anaerobic running, you need to run at your lactic threshold. This will generally be the quickest you can run several miles in a row. Depending on the distance you're going, you should adjust your pace to suit. For example, a marathon fast but not elite pace would be maybe 6-7 to seven minutes per mile, which is 3 minutes 43 seconds to 4 minutes 20 seconds per kilometre, which is just under the lactic threshold. But, but an ultramarathon would be closer to 9 or 11 minutes per mile, which is about 5.5 minutes to nearly 7 minutes per kilometre, which is quite a bit lower than the lactic threshold. Your glycogen levels are, at best, going to run out after about 18 to 20 miles, or 30 to 32 kilometres, or around 2 to 3 hours of running, at or near your lactic threshold. To get around this barrier, you need to run a lot slower than your lactic threshold and make sure you refuel and hydrate whilst you're running. Done well, and this is something you should practice during your training runs, you can manage your glycogen levels so that your body replenishes what is lost as you go along. This will work well for a marathon if you're running at the pace needed for about a 4 hour marathon. For much longer distances we also have to remember as I've mentioned that the body needs a certain amount of sleep. The exact amount will vary from person to person but as an example Scott Urich who completed the Appalachian Trail at about 30 minutes a mile pace but it was 2,189 miles over 46 days so the speed takes into account his maybe 6 hour night sleep. It should also go without saying that for all running events you're going to want to get a good night's well-rested sleep the night before to make sure you're in the best condi condition that you can possibly be in for the run. And that's just a bit of information there on uh, how to improve your endurance runs. This is kind of off the back of sort of two things that have coincided. Obviously we've had the Virgin Money London Marathon. Massive congratulations to everyone who completed it. And also, uh, because recently I've noticed that I've started to enjoy longer runs more. I still really like doing the 5Ks, and I obviously love doing park run every week. But I'm also finding that I'm the more I do longer runs, the I won't say the easier they're getting, they're still not easy, but the, the nicer I feel whilst I'm running them, the more in control I feel whilst I'm running them. So today, Sunday, I actually did a 173 kilometer run. And I was expecting to be very, very tired at the end because last week I did a 20km run and I was completely shattered by the end. I don't know what I did differently this week. I actually ran faster, but I found I wasn't anywhere near as tired as I was last time. So I don't know if that was fueling. I had a banana and a, a homemade uh, energy flapjack thing before I started. Maybe that was the reason. Maybe it was just the weather because it was so hot last Sunday and this, this week it was nice and cloudy. Good weather for the London Marathon as well. But anyway, if you think there are some interesting points which I've overlooked here, either about fast running or endurance running, I'd love to hear your points of view. You can get in touch via the email stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or by leaving a message on the Stay Frosty Facebook page. Now, this week, I'm very pleased to announce that my star park runner is... 
Liz Sass. Liz ran at Old Deer Park Parkrun today and completed the course in exactly 30 minutes. I picked her out because although this brilliant run gives her 76.72% age grading, as she's in the 70-74 to 74 VW category, her pastime at Old Deer Park is actually 26 minutes and 27 seconds, which she set three years ago. In addition to this, she's earned her 25 volunteer t-shirt and her 250 runs park run t-shirt. She has a variety of different park runs, mostly around London, as her home park run is in Bushy Park, and her overall PB for this year was set at Crane Park Run, where she ran the course in 27 minutes and 7 seconds. Liz has done a total of 406 park runs and is well on her way to her 500 t-shirt now. She has her Pirates Club membership with her seven season and R. True legend of the parkrun world. Congratulations, Liz. Absolutely awesome running. If you know someone who deserves a mention for their parkrun achievements, you can send me an email or drop me a message on the Facebook page to let me know your nominations. I'd really love to hear from you. So once again, the email is stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com. This week's featured park run takes us to Harwich Park Run, which runs along the seafront of Dover Court Bay on the east coast, southeast coast of the UK. The park run is located in Cliff Park, Harwich, with the start near the bandstand in the centre of the park. You can access the park run by travelling on train to Dover Court Bay Rail Station and walking five minutes to the start, or by catching a bus to Dover Court Town Centre. The main road leading to Harwich, which is on a peninsula, is the A120, but there is limited parking on the roads approaching the park. The nearest car park is in Milton Road, which is about five minutes walk away from the start. The course is run on a mixture of tarmac paths and grass, and largely is a largely flat park run, ranking only 45th on the elevation rankings by Jegmar out of 519 park runs. After completing a lap and a half of the park, the rest of the course is an out-and-back section along the promenade. Occasionally, a high tide which coincides with an onshore wind means this route has to be altered, but parkrunners will be briefed about this on the day. Within Cliff Park, there are toilet facilities, including disabled, and a cafe with seasonal opening hours. Additional toilets can be found within the car park in Milton Road. After the event, coffee is in Dovercourt Cliff Park Cafe, to which everyone is always invited. Volunteer numbers in recent months have ranged from about 10 to 15, and since the new year there have been between 113 and 212 runners each week, with 212 people turning up last week for the largest park run here since it started. So far, there have been 203 events here, and the start date was on the 1st of August in 2015. I love the idea of running along the seafront for a park run, something I haven't had the chance to try before, but it's definitely on the list of things to do. <laughs> and that noise means it's time for the park run anniversaries. This week I'm kicking off the anniversaries with Prospect Park Run and Street Park Run, who both started on the 5th of May in 2018 and will soon be celebrating their first anniversaries. Aviemore Park Run has a second anniversary coming up after starting out on the 6th of May in 2017. 
Gadebridge Park Run, Raphael Park Run, Stamford Park Park Run and Barry Island Park Run all started on the 2nd of May in 2015, so their fourth anniversaries are rapidly approaching. With the fifth anniversary, it's Rushmore Park Run, which started on the 3rd of May in 2014. Tollcross Park Run started on the 4th of May in 2013, which makes this year their sixth anniversary. And both Northampton Park Run and Fritton Lane Park Run have seventh anniversaries soon, having started on the 5th of May in 2012. And it's a bumper crop of eighth-year anniversaries this time, with Belfast Victoria Park Run, Abingdon Park Run, Medina Isle of Wight Park Run and Pontefract Park Run, who all started on the 7th of May in 2011. And finally for this week, it's Eastleigh Park Run with their soon-to-be 9th anniversary. They started with their first event on the 8th of May in 2010. Congratulations to all the park runs with upcoming anniversaries. This week, Jay and I were going to attend Barking Park Run. However, I found out that my sister wasn't going to be there this week, so we actually deferred barking until next week, and we went to earn Jay his letter O at Old Deer Park Park Run in West London. With the remnants of Storm Hannah causing some very windy conditions, as well as a few splashes of rain, which thankfully stopped during the event, we had our work cut out. Old Deer Park Park Run is a three-lapper run entirely on grass, and to add a little extra challenge, the windiest and most inclined portion of the course was the first 100 to 200 metres, which you then repeat two more times before completing the five kilometres. I set off with the front of the pack, and it probably took me about that 200 metres to realise that they were all running at a much faster pace than I could maintain for the full five kilometres, so I eased off the accelerator and kept a moderate pace for the rest of the run. Jay started out behind me and dropped back a little, having to take a few walk breaks during his run. Despite this, he completed the park run in a very impressive 27 minutes and 58 seconds, going under 28 minutes, which was really what he wanted to do today. He's hoping he can maintain a new run of sub-28 minute park runs, which is certainly possible in barking next week, weather and fitness allowing, of course. I completed Old Deer Park Park Run in 26 minutes and 11 seconds, which is one second slower than my fastest at South Norwood, but a time that I'm very happy with considering the weather conditions and how close I am to getting back down into the 25 minute somethings. We both enjoyed this park run, and it's certainly one that we'd visit again, especially because the course was altered today to allow for another event in the park, so we haven't actually run their A course or their normal course yet. And that about wraps things up again for this week. I'd just like to say again a very hearty congratulations to everyone that took part in the London Marathon today. Jay and I watched it on the TV and we watched the highlights and we thought it was very impressive and very inspirational as well. If you'd like to get in touch with me about anything at all, mostly to do with Parkrun, you can send an email to stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or you can leave me a message on the Stay Frosty Facebook page. All that remains to be said is thank you all very much for listening. I hope you have a great week. Stay frosty, park runners, and I'll see you all next week. Yeah.